Hey there, homies. This is Sarah. And this is Ashley. And this is Hometown Homicide. But okay, hi. Hi. How is it going? Um, I'm paralyzed. I'll say she's currently dying, actually. I'm sitting on the floor with a heating pad. Because <laughs> my back went out, so that's fun. You know you're old when? Eh, nothing new, but... To be fair, mine went out one time just walking across the street in, like, yeah. slippery, icy weather. Like, I didn't even fall or anything. I just, like, <laughs> in the yep. middle of the street. Mm-hmm. It was a good time. Yep. I walked. I stepped the wrong way, apparently. And, yeah, it's not fun. But I'll live through it. We're mm-hmm. fine. And, you know, some days we chit-chat more than others. So I apologize if, you I mean, know, I'm not going to apologize. But for one person who's, like stop talking you talk too much fine let's sign language this whole thing (laughs) if you don't want to hear people talk please go grab a book and read a book or like there's there's definitely other podcasts true crime podcasts out there that don't do the yip yap i personally like it for the most part sometimes they can go on so i understand but the last couple weeks we were trying to get back in the groove of things and catching up on stuff so we had been gone for like a month and a half so not sorry Uh, our main listeners who listen every single week and have been with us for a long time they said to keep it up so what's up (laughs) we're gonna keep it i mean we're not gonna go on and on but which a couple of our listeners Fifi and Carrie of the bonus features. I don't remember if it was the second episode or third episode, um, but I listened to both of them the other day. And Carrie was telling Fifi something, which is weird because she's Jennifer, but she's like Fifi. Like now, that's just kind of well, not I like now, that name. for the last while. But in my life with Jennifer riding the bus together and getting rides, it's been Jennifer or Becky, if you ask my mom. But anyway. <laughs> Um, Carrie was talking and she got like tongue tied and she was like derp and like in my head I'm like hey she said derp and then she's like ah, I've been listening to Hometown Homicide and Sarah says derp all the time so now I said it I'm like ha yes nice I love it <laughs> it's a movement people I love it um, but they were pretty funny and they shared a story I sent them the other day about my youngest kitty Dot from his like first couple days with me so we'll it's have a, to take a listen it's a funny time and what was that podcast again? Just so everybody knows. Bonus features. Cool. They're, I'm pretty sure anywhere you normally listen to streaming podcast stuff. And they've got a Facebook and an Instagram. And a TikTok. Which we need to do more of. I need yeah. to do more of. Yeah. But I... And it's not an excuse, but I'm already over 60 hours this week. And my dumb ass is going to work some more tonight. <laughs> Because if it's the overtime is there, I'm going to take it, even though I hate my job. <laughs> and we're not supposed to have overtime, so. But I'm currently booked about four weeks, so it's getting a little exhausting. I'd rather knock more of them out now, doing like 50 hours or so a week, than pushing people out that far. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather not. I'd. I would like to knock people out at work too, but. <laughs> 
that's not what I home. meant, but you know it's mm-hmm. fine. Um, no more current events as far as, like, actual local current events, I should say, as far as I know. Anne Hayes died. Yeah, that was really sad. A couple other people died today. Some comedian I had never heard of and some actress, not Anne, a different one. I don't know. I was just like, Jesus, why all these people getting uh, Grim Reapered? Football's coming. I know that's there's my brain just rattles around. Don't worry, but football's coming, and I'm real excited. My fantasy football draft is in two weeks. I mean, I'm not mad about the fall weather or decorating for Halloween because I got some more spooky decorations. Spooky. So yeah, I'm pumpkins and hocus pocus and yes. Yes, I'm just... <sighs> Apple cider, oh my. Pumpkin spice, oh my. I don't really like pumpkin spice. The smell isn't bad, but the flavor, I'm not... I'm, nah, nah, nah. Although, the, when they had the pumpkin spice Oreos, those were really fucking good. They just kind of taste like spice cookies, because they were the white cookie with a, quote, pumpkin spice mm-hmm. frosting cream middle. Those were real good. Interesting. Well, shall we start? Yeah, I'm... Very interested to hear what you have this week. So, this week my story is about a brutal and tragic attack on an innocent woman that took place in September of 2015 and the two people involved. An attack so awful that an officer who had worked over 30 years in homicide said, quote, This was the most horrific crime I've ever worked. Some of you, especially those of you more in the eastern Midwest area, might already know this story. Somehow, I had never heard of it before. So I have to go back a little further than the 2015, though, to start this story. Diane Pransky and John Kowalik met during junior high back in the 1970s. They were friendly, but John never asked Diane out. He said he wasn't able to muster the courage to do so because of Diane's, quote, intimidating beauty and popularity. And as life often takes people, they went in separate ways and, you know, got a little bit older. Years later, yeah. Years later in 2007, during a happenstance run in at where else but a local Target located in Munster, Indiana, they discovered that at that point in their lives, they were both parents but also both divorced. Immediately, a romance began that would last the rest of their lives. Throughout the next eight years, their relationship did nothing but grow stronger and more dedicated. Diane even started going fishing with John, about which her daughter April was a little surprised at first. April was quoted as saying, with a chuckle, that her mom was, quote, a bit of a girly girl, so she must really like him. Sometimes you do things for someone you love, and you end up loving it too. They did live separately at this point, both homes being in Lansing, Illinois, but make no mistake that Diane and John were deeply in love. In fact, they're referred to as partners, not boyfriend-girlfriend. Of course, when you're a full-ass adult saying, my boyfriend or my girlfriend, I could see that being weird for somebody, so, yeah. Um, And Diane living alone at this point is where the story really begins. By fall of 2015, Diane was 53 years old and had been working as a bartender for some time at a popular local place called Theo's, which was just across the state border a few minutes away in Indiana. 
April said that people would go in when they knew Diane was working because she was so loved by the community. But Thursday, September 17th, 2015, would be her last shift. Diane closed up the bar about 10.30 p.m., obviously, and then headed off to the grocery store to get some things on her way home. She called John to chat for a bit. John said he was already in bed, which you know it's true love when you're happy to talk to someone while you're already in bed, because mm-hmm. otherwise it's like, <laughs> not answering that. Right. <laughs> Silence. And he also said that Diane said she'd call again when she got home to say goodnight, but that call never came. You see, after Diane got her groceries, she loaded them up and headed home. What she didn't know is that someone was in her home robbing her. A man that lived in her neighborhood had decided to help himself to her electronics and other valuables while she was gone. This man was 33-year-old Carlius Mad Dog Clay. Mad Dog. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. I had a look. Like, I mean, when I was doing all this, obviously, I had a bunch of shit. But I was like, Mad Dog, I obviously immediately thought 2020. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, nope, this was 2015, not 2020. <laughs> like, it'd just be another shit show added to what 2020 yeah. was. Carlius had already made one trip out of Diane's home and then returned to look for more loot. This is when Diane had the unfortunate timing of coming home for the night. As she was entering her kitchen, groceries still in hand, Carlius emerged from the darkness holding a hammer. He demanded money from Diane. What she gave him wasn't enough, apparently, because then he forced Diane into the trunk of her own car, and then he drove them away from her home. Diane was extremely claustrophobic, so being crammed in the trunk of her little Chevy Aveo would have just added another level of terror to her already horrifying situation. Carlius drove a few minutes east and visited two separate ATMs in Munster, Indiana. He had nylon hose over his face to conceal his identity, because that always works, like, super well. Um, Had that on while he used Diane's bank card to withdraw some cash. The first ATM visit was at 11.47 p.m., and the second ATM visit was 11.57 p.m., and just take a guess. Take, just take a guess how much money he got out of this. 60 bucks. It is more than that. 100. A little bit more. 200? Nope. 120. $140. You know, I should, yeah, okay. You know, just, just the amount that you should get for kidnapping someone and, you know, subsequently attacking them. It's horrible. After getting the money, Carlius then drove the stolen vehicle and its captive owner almost 30 miles further east to an abandoned storage warehouse in Burns Harbor, Indiana, and parked at about 2 a.m. I'm not sure if he knew where he was headed or took time to drive around and find what he felt was an ideal location because there is some time gap there if, like, the last ATM stop was almost midnight and then it was two hours later and it does not take two hours to get there. So I'm not sure if he was just scoping out a place or what. Okay. That brings me to the trigger warning. Just, you know, that there is rape for anybody that... It's not detailed, but just, you know, it is a trigger. Carlius got Diane out of the trunk and forced her into the back seat, where he then viciously raped her in her own car. Some articles did mention that this was, unfortunately, the second rape. That she may have been raped, like, in her home, maybe first, before he put her in the trunk. But it wasn't 
super clear, like it wasn't clearly stated somewhere, so I'm not entirely sure, but a couple places it was clearly stated that it was the second rape. Regardless, shitbag. When the assault was over, Diane managed to get loose and tried to run, but Carlius caught her. Or, depending on the source, he tried to force her back in the trunk and she resisted. So, either way. He put his hands around her neck and tightened his grip until Diane went limp. He thought he had killed her. Carlius doused her in lighter fluid and then lit her on fire. He climbed back into the stolen Aveo and took off, leaving Diane for dead. Take mental note on when you heard that ding. Okay. Now let me fill you in on this bag of dog shit named Carlius Clay. He certainly wasn't a stranger to the justice system. As one article mentioned, he had 11 prior adult convictions and three prior juvenile criminal adjudications. That's a hard word to say, and I had to practice it earlier. (laughs) (laughs) Included in those were violent crimes, a felony firearms charge, assault with intent to rob while armed, burglary, theft, resisting law enforcement, escape from custody, larceny, and robbery. By the way, if you're wondering what the difference between larceny, theft, robbery, and burglary is, because I certainly did, theft or larceny involves taking property without the use of force and without breaking into a structure to do so. Robbery involves taking property from a person through force or threat of force or violence. Burglary involves breaking into a structure to commit a crime. Carlius spent time in prison after shooting a man in the head during a robbery. Uh, Don't worry, the victim did survive. Still. For the life of me, I could not find details on it. I spent a good chunk of Friday trying to fucking figure out what happened with that. It's driving me nuts. I found one article that stated that the prison time he spent for that attack was actually because of a different attack that was on a woman and her kids. But when I was on newspapers.com and found information about that attack, she hadn't been shot. And in that case, the culprit's name was Carlius Clay Jr., where nor in my research for Diane's story was Carlius referred to as a junior. I think it's purely coincidence and apparently just a cursed name. I must add this because it's funny. In that other case, the man pulled up to the woman that Carlius pulled up to the woman, pretending to ask for directions and then pulled a gun on her. The woman took off, but the man followed. He was so focused on chasing her, he wasn't paying attention to where he was following her to, which was the police station. The woman had called 911 and they talked to her directing her how to get to the police station. And that Carlius was arrested immediately. That was smart by her. Right? I wouldn't Good have job. thought that. Back to the bag of dog shit. This Carlius was released on parole on May 27, 2015 after serving time for the Michigan robbery in 2009 where he shot a man and an attempted robbery in Illinois in the same year. Details seemed a little muddy, but what matters is that after his parole release, that's when he moved into a home in Lansing, a home that was rented to him by a local church, almost as a reward for good behavior. In a statement released by the church, referring to Carlius as a former prisoner who, after several years of Christian discipleship and education while incarcerated, was paroled by the state of Illinois 
joined our fellowship, confessed faith in Jesus Christ, and received from us benevolent assistance in pastoral care as he transitioned from prison to civilian life. Hmm. I'm not sure why they gave him such benefit of the doubt, but neighbor Vicki Duran had even been told by the landlord that Carlius was, quote, a good man who had been in a little bit of trouble. Okay. She and her family didn't think he was violent, had even been friendly with him. He had been in their home, met her family, met her grandkids. Vicky also said that Carlius came and went as he pleased, that it didn't seem that anyone monitored him or kept track of him in any way. In any case, Carlius moved into that home. Oh, excuse me. Carlius moving into that home was really the first step in this story as it was only three blocks away from Diane's own home. Who knows if he liked the way the house looked and thought there must be some goodies inside that he could take if he saw Diane and part of him deep down wanted to assault her all along, but somehow he decided it was her home that he'd violate and eventually violate Diane as well. After Carlius forced Diane into her trunk, he drove the three blocks home to drop off some things before driving to the Munster, Indiana ATMs, as officials later discovered multiple items as missing from Diane's home as well as a bloodstained t-shirt and latex gloves in the home that he was renting. Following the brutal attack, Carlius drove Diane's car nearly two hours up to Holland, Michigan, to an apartment complex where he previously resided with his girlfriend, and I'm assuming she was still living there. Luckily, Diane's car was equipped with OnStar, so officials were able to locate it quickly, and this was listed as a prior residence. So Carlius Clay was swiftly arrested. God, I'm good. That's not very loud. Okay. What is that? So right about now, my phone alarm was going off. I, like, had to time this out while I was writing it. I had an alarm set for 5 minutes and 17 seconds from that ding I told you to make note of. That's how long Diane Pransky was on fire. And it was all on camera. During their investigation... Police were able to track Diane's phone to the abandoned storage warehouse where she had been assaulted and lit aflame. Authorities were then able to find a building across the road from the warehouse that had outdoor security footage. The footage showed Diane's car backing onto the property in Burn Harbor at almost 2 a.m., which is sadly ironic that the place was called Burn Harbor. It's, yeah. It's not lost on me. It's not a joke, but I'm just like, that's terrible coincidence. For approximately 40 minutes of the footage, investigators saw nothing else but buildings and trees in the dark of night. Then, just before they saw Diane's car drive away and out of view, the night lit up and lit up big. This was obviously when Carlius set Diane on fire before taking off to Michigan, but the source of the fire itself was behind some trees. Only a couple minutes after seeing the car drive away, the light from the fire seemed to move. Then suddenly, the flame was out in front of the building. She had woken up for, from her unconscious state and realized she was on fire. Somehow, she was able to get up and start walking towards some lights she saw at a distant gas station. What the police were viewing on this footage was Diane walking while engulfed in flames. They also see when, miraculously, she spotted a shallow puddle, dropped to the ground, and started rolling around trying to put herself out. Oh my god. I put in here first. Yes, we're taught to stop, drop, and roll, but like how much shock you're in when one thing you're being 
choked by your rapist and then you wake up on fire like you're not gonna think anything straight oh my god second being that she was doused like soaked in accelerant trying to put that out is gonna be very hard you know what i mean instead of Mm -hmm. it's not like you just walk too close to a candle in a fuzzy sweater like you yeah yeah on fire 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 five minutes and 17 seconds on fire would seem like a lifetime Diane wasn't done, though. She got up, and with her clothes burned off or melted to her skin, only one shoe on, and possibly with her legs still on fire, as one report stated, she walked a half mile (gasps) to the nearby McDonald's, located at a pilot gas station. The workers there called 911, and help came for Diane. A female officer got to the scene before the ambulance took her away, and upon seeing the condition Diane was in, knew that if she didn't get to ask Diane questions then, she might never get to. That responding officer said, quote, just by looking at her, I was surprised she could even speak. You could see that her mouth and tongue were charred. Oh, my God. But despite her injuries, Diane was able to say that a black man had done this and also gave the officer her license plate number. First, the authorities involved were Indiana officers, because that's where Diane was found. Then discovering she lived in and was abducted from Illinois, it became a two-state case. After tracking Diane's car to Michigan, they had to call in the FBI to get help. Three states is a lot of ground to cover. All departments coordinated and acted quickly, and Carlius Mad Dog Clay was arrested on Sunday, September 20th, 2015, less than three days since Diane's harrowing ordeal began. But Carlius wasn't done being a giant bag of dog shit, though. 18 months later, in April of 2017, while awaiting trial, he told caseworker Letitia Martinez at the Metropolitan Correctional Center that he was having issues with another inmate. Once inside of her office, he pulled a homemade shiv on her and forced her to lock the door. Carlius must have had at least a little charm because this woman was a 20-year veteran of the federal bureau of prisons which i didn't know was a thing but i can't imagine she trusted every dipwad that came to her office with the story carlius then threw her to the ground straddled her and pulled her by her hair but he got distracted somehow and letitia called for help over the radio and other prison personnel were able to come to her aid after unlocking the door and pepper spraying carlius the day before his trial was set to begin Carlius Clay pleaded guilty to the charges he faced from his attack on Diane. This was one count of kidnapping, one count of attempted murder, and one count of using fire to commit a felony. This granted him a life stay within the correctional institutions without the possibility of parole. During his sentence, he had, or excuse me, during his sentencing hearing, he had the balls to ask the judge for one last day of freedom. I have no words. <laughs> I mean, it's not funny, but yeah. I read that and I'm like, I didn't read that right. That can't be what that said. And I'm like, what a fuck stick. He apologized to both women during this hearing and asked for their forgiveness, saying that that's not the kind of man he is. Sure it is. Uh, yeah, well, what the fuck kind of man are you? Because clearly violent and despicable, even discounting these two attacks given his history the attack on letitia martinez tacked on an extra 10 years just for good measure 
Carlius is currently residing in the United States Penitentiary Florence in Colorado, where he just had his 40th birthday last Sunday, and I hope it was complete shit. He's only 40? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. He's got a long time to go. Yep. As for Diane, she's unbelievable. She's gone through countless surgeries, skin grafts, organ failures, infections, physical therapy sessions. She had to relearn how to talk, how to breathe on her own, and even how to blink. Oh my gosh. Her medical bills as of January 2019 had exceeded $2.4 million. She's legally blind and can't walk. She'll never bartend nor work in her garden again, both of which she loved to do. And she can't even brush her teeth on her own. She needs 24-7 care. And that's where John Kowalik comes back into this story. From day one in the hospital, John promised Diane that he'd be there for her, as well as telling her that she'd make it. Which is something doctors weren't too sure of at first. Uh, Doctors told them that two out of three people with burns that severe wouldn't pull through. But Diane has an unimaginable determination like few others, and after the months-long hospital stay during her initial recovery, John moved Diane into his home to be her caregiver. He had quit his job and dedicated everything to her. He had rearranged the house so she could stay in her hospital bed on the main floor, and then he moved a lot of his stuff upstairs. He also remodeled the bathroom so that it was wheelchair accessible. A true partner. John said... Good man. Right? John said, It wasn't a difficult decision to make for a woman that was there for him always. He said it was a life-changing no-brainer. Even when things had gotten rough, quote, One smile from Diane immediately put things in perspective, and I carried on. Diane said that in her heart, she has forgiven her attacker, but that she's glad he's in prison so he can't hurt anyone else. Despite her limitations, she does go from time to time with John on ice fishing excursions, trips to the grocery store, and outings with friends and family. Quote, I look at it this way. I could be a lot worse. It's not the dream way of being, but it could be so much worse. I am not gone. There's a sign hanging above Diane's bedroom door that says, Love Wins. This is her motto, and also the name that they gave to the fundraising committee that her friends and family started to help offset medical expenses and otherwise support her during her recovery. And honestly, to support John, too, since he quit his job. Right. Diane was severely physically and emotionally drained by attending her attacker's sentencing, but she once again mustered some deep-down strength to be able to read her victim impact statement to the court. Quote, Although my life has changed and I require 24-hour assistance, you did not ruin it because I was given the best gift of all, the gift of love. After a standing ovation from people in the courtroom, Diane went on to say, quote, Know this, you did not win. I am alive. I was able to tell what you did. Love wins. The true crime series... <laughs> was that like a mic drop motion that you were kind of that doing over there? It's like, and fuck you. Yeah. Oh, shit. Mad dog. The true crime series See No Evil covered Diane's story in season six, episode nine. It is well worth the watch. Diane is shown speaking during the last few minutes of the episode. And I'll end the story with one more quote from her. I realize now how precious our time is here and we should all love each other and care for each other and not have so much hatred and negativity in the world. She can be 
that positive and just that happy with life after all of that. My God. Um, yeah. When it was, it was at the end of that, watching her say that stuff. I, that's when I was crying. I'm like, and I need some wine. So it's like, she's there. She's mentally there, but like you can tell she has to focus so hard on saying the words. Yeah. But her daughter still has a mom. John still has his partner. Yeah. So, like, that's awesome. But, and fuckface is in prison forever. So, he's a fucking piece of shit. Yeah. Who, wow. And then he asked for a one last one day. Last like, day. you don't get that. No. You don't deserve it. You threw that away. Mm-hmm. Like, you were given a second chance. Like, and you a third, given, and a fourth, and a 17th. Right. Like, you. They gave you a house and all this stuff, and then you did this. Like, no. Mm-hmm. You ruined that. Fuck even, off, mad dog. Even if... I mean, obviously, robbing someone's terrible, but you you then just went well beyond robbery real quick. Yeah. Well, good for Diane. Yes, good for Diane. There's to have a couple, that type of outlook on life. Her community really, truly pulled together and did a lot for her. There was a couple things on Facebook I saw. There's a Facebook group, but then there's one from an event... A past event, but it's still a Facebook page that there was. They did like a fun run. They did all kinds of fundraisers and things, raffles, just event after event, raising money for her. So good to see when communities can pull together like that. Right. I'm not sure. I feel like it's real. But the footage in the See No Evil of the fire, it looks like it's, like, the really actual, real. Yeah. Like, they're showing the actual footage? Mm-hmm. What is that on Hulu? I had to get a free trial of Discovery Plus. <laughs> I have Discovery Plus. Cool. So, because that's how I started watching the Kesha. Conjuring Kesha. Because after that, I was like, wait a minute that's on this too so that's when i started watching it with my wine and and charcuterie that i had on friday cool cool mm-hmm. well thank you yeah make sure you follow us follow subscribe like us, love apple us. spotify yeah. comment let us know what you think and we're not always about murder as a, as this story since it's a survivor story it's true crime so you know our spiel that we haven't said in a long time is you know bringing you lesser known stories from around the midwest or excuse me lesser known stories of murder mayhem and other tragedies from around the midwest remember that we want to tell stories to you and not about you so stay safe and this was hometown homicide